and uh, I just want to bring a few uh, thoughts to us this morning, a, a message to us from uh, Exodus. Again, we're, we're going to be in chapters 17 and 18. We're going to finish all of 17 and uh, 18 today. So I'm not going to read necessarily the, the whole thing to us, but uh, we'll read some sections of that later. But before we get into that, just uh, if you're a visitor or if it's one of your first times on here, my name's Aaron. I'm one of the elders of uh, Christ First. It's great to have you uh, zooming in with us and hopefully you feel welcomed uh, despite the distance. And uh, there'll be an opportunity for you to hang around later and chat to someone and uh, receive prayer if that's something that would bless you. So uh, before we get into Exodus, I want to just highlight something to you that's uh, called The Middle. I think Andy's previously mentioned this. Uh, this is probably uh, the most inoffensive sitcom uh, that I've e ever come across, uh, unless you recognise some of your own life in it and then you might, <laughs> you might be a bit upset. But um, I, I really commend this to you. It's, it's a wonderful, charming uh, little show. I think there's about nine seasons of it. So if you have never started it, it's something that you can uh, carry on with. Andy's holding up an amen. Uh, there but there's uh, a family of five as you can see and um, the guy or the dad is called Mike and his solution for everything is sport uh, so he says if, if you've got a life problem join a sports team and you'll learn the life lesson that you need um, and so I, I think there's some truth in that he's a little bit um, sort of one one directional one channel in his uh, parenting style but um, it is again i would just encourage you to watch it it's a good show but um yeah life lessons you do learn life lessons from sport i don't know if you're a sporty person but they're, they're a great arena for learning different lessons about life and and so there's always debates about you know what's the best sport what's the best whatever for me i think you can learn different things from sports as an individual and sports as a team now obviously the, the king of sports in my opinion is football um you can learn lots of things from individual sports, but football for me is the peak uh, sport because, well, it's the best team sport at the very least. The best team can beat the team of the best. Does that make sense? The best team can beat the best team of the best. It doesn't matter if you've got the very best individual player. If there's a team that works better together, they can still beat you. And uh, that's been shown to be true over the last few years. You look at the, the arguably the two best players ever uh, are alive right now. You've got Cristiano Ronaldo and uh, Messi. And so their teams don't always win the competitions they're in. They very often they do because they've got other good players around them. But even though those two are widely regarded as they're the best two players, their teams don't necessarily always win. And, uh, that's why, for me, football is the, is the king of sports. The best team can beat the team of the best. That Actually, at any point, the, the person who's playing in defence could go on a run and score a goal. And, and it's sort of, there's not many sports where it's like that's a, a level of achievement that's good, but also so it's difficult to do, but it's also doable, if that makes sense. Uh, but as a church, we want to be a team that works the best. We, we know we've got wonderful, gifted, talented individuals in the church, but we don't want to be a, a, a church of individuals. We want to be the best team. And so uh, we put a strong emphasis as a church on individuals taking responsibility for their own walk, their own uh, sort of journey with God. 
and maturing in the faith. We put a strong emphasis on you are responsible for that as an individual. It's not it's not Andy or Maya's job to come over to your house and and wake you up at 630 and go, come on, get the coffee on. It's time for a prayer meeting. Uh, that's down to you for, to motivate yourself and find a rhythm and a pattern of life that's going to work for you. We can try and equip you and give you tools to do that. And, and that's uh, an important part of what we do. But it's not our responsibility. At the same time, we know that we are a family and that we each need each other in order to function at the best possible level. So maybe it's not my job to come around to your house and, and wake you up when your alarm goes off. But actually, maybe for a season, there's someone who you say, you know, I want to get up at this time or I want to commit this time to prayer. Will you join me in that? And you can work together and sort of encourage one another and help one another to to be committed and accountable for that for that time. So we want to encourage a, a strong sense of personal responsibility. Your relationship with God is only going to be healthy if you invest in it. But at the same time, we need to work together in order to be as strong and as robust and as effective as we can for the gospel. And so this morning we're going to look at uh, Exodus and hopefully we're going to draw some lessons out of that. There's a few chat things going on. I can't really see those. I'm, I'm assuming I don't need to know them and Andy will interrupt me if I do need to pay attention. To you don't need to know. Okay, great. <laughs> So we're going to, if you've got a Bible, uh, you can turn to uh, Exodus 17 and I'll read a few verses uh, from there. I'm going to read from 8 to uh, verse 16, which is the sort of the second half of the chapter. Andy covered the first half uh, last week. And then I'm going to read a few verses uh, from chapter 8. I'm going to read uh, probably about eight more verses from that. So uh, starting at verse 8 in chapter 17 of Exodus, uh, it says this. Hopefully it will come up on the screen for you if you don't have a Bible. Then Amalek, that's the nation, came and fought with Israel at Rephidim. So Moses said to Joshua, choose for us men and go out and fight with Amalek. Tomorrow I will stand on top of the hill with the staff of God in my hand. So Joshua did as Moses told him and fought with Amalek, while Moses, Aaron and Hur went up on top of the hill. Whenever Moses held up his hand, Israel prevailed. And whenever he lowered his hand, Amalek prevailed. But Moses' hand grew weary. So they took a stone and put it under him, and he sat on it, while Aaron and Hur held up his hands, one on one side and the other on the other side. So his hands were steady until the going down of the sun. And Joshua overwhelmed Amalek and his people with the sword. Then the Lord said to Moses, write this as a memorial in a book and recite it in the ears of Joshua, that I will utterly blot out the memory of Amalek from under heaven, and Moses built an altar and called the name of it, the Lord is my banner, saying, a hand upon the throne of the Lord. The Lord will have war from Amalek, with Amalek from generation to generation. And then if we skip across to uh, chapter 18, what happens in the, in the bit that we're not going to read is Moses uh, on his journey, uh, the Israelites on their journey, Moses meets his father-in-law, Jethro, who you remember he got a job with him, uh, tending sheep, becoming a shepherd because he helped his daughters at the well a long time ago before uh, there's the whole sort of plagues and all of that kind of stuff. Um, and the burning bush before that, Moses met uh, Jethro in a place called Midian. And he's his father-in-law and he's been looking after Moses' wife and two sons. And they meet together. Moses gives an account of all that's happened in terms of the plagues and uh, 
God delivering Israel from Egypt and Jethro uh, praises God and is really encouraged by all that's happened and is pleased obviously to to bring back his uh, daughter and his grandsons to be with their father and then um, he observes what's happening in the nation of Israel and it says this uh, this is from verse 13 in chapter 8 the next day Moses sat to judge the people and the people stood around Moses from morning till evening when Moses father-in-law saw all that he was doing for the people he said what is this that you are doing for the people why do you sit alone and all the people stand around you from morning until evening and Moses said to his father-in-law because the people come to me to inquire of God when they have a dispute they come to me and I decide between one person and another then I make known to them the statutes of God and his laws Moses father-in-law said to him what you are doing is not good you and the people will certainly wear yourselves out for the thing is too heavy for you you are not able to do it alone now obey my voice and I will give you advice and God be with you you shall represent the people before God and bring their cases to God and you shall warn them about the statutes and the laws and you shall uh, warn them about the statutes and laws and make them know the way in which they must walk and what they must do moreover look for able men from among the people men who fear God who are trustworthy and hate a bribe and place such men over the over the people as chiefs of thousands of hundreds of fifties and of tens and let them judge the people at all times every great matter they shall bring to you but any small matter they shall decide themselves so it will be easier for you and they will bear the burden with you if you do this God will direct you and will enable you to endure and all these people will go to their place in peace that's Exodus uh, 13 to 27 to the end of the chapter so the key message from uh, from those two chapters and this morning that I want to bring to you is that we can't do it alone and uh, if I can be so bold as to say you can't do it alone uh, now I know some of you will probably think actually I feel like I can and I'm better off but the reality is we can't do it alone doesn't matter how good we think we are or how strong we think we are how capable we can't do it alone we can't win the fight on our own we can't persevere in prayer on our own we can't uh, fulfill all that God has called us to on our own one of the, the very first things that God says about uh, man when he creates the human race uh, he creates the man first and he says it's very good the human race is very good he looks at the man and says it's not good that man is alone he needs a companion we need companionship and so there's only one point really this morning is that we can't do it alone we can't win on our own i want to ask you the question who who won the battle in the story that we read was it joshua who was down in the valley fighting or was it moses who when he lifted his hands they won, they were, Israel would win, and when his hands lowered, Amalek would win. So actually Joshua was fighting in the valley, but he only won when Moses lifted his hands. But Moses' arms got tired, and so he needed someone to hold his arms up. So maybe it was Aaron and Hur that won the battle because they held Moses' arms up, which meant that Joshua would win. So who won the battle? We can't win on our own. The, the reality is they won together and God won the battle ultimately that's the the Sunday school answer uh, God always wins but we can't win on our own 
as we read. Joshua did as Moses told him and fought with Amalek, while Moses, Aaron and Hur went up to the top of the hill. Whenever Moses held up his hand, Israel prevailed, and whenever he lowered his hand, Amalek prevailed. But Moses' hands grew weary, so they took a stone and put it under him, and he sat on it. While Aaron and Hur held up his hands, one on one side and the other on the other side. So his hands were steady until the going down of the sun, and Joshua overwhelmed Amalek and his people with the sword. Who won the battle? It took all of them working together to do it. And where it says Joshua over, over, overwhelmed Amalek, don't think for a minute, as we see, it says just before that, Moses tells Joshua to take some uh, soldiers with him. It's not just Joshua on his own, you know, fighting uh, a whole army by himself. This is not a Hollywood film. This was a, a sort of a, a, an ancient battle. We need to know our role. This is a, a painting. I'm not sure this is what they were wearing or what they looked like exactly. Uh, but this is uh, Moses with Aaron and her. And I'll let you decide uh, who's who uh, out of Aaron and her on your own opinions. But know our role. We need to know the role that we have. We need to play our part. Joshua fought in the valley. Moses uh, contended, most likely praying uh, on, the, on the hilltop. Uh, and Aaron and her contended with him. They held up his arms in order to assist him to do that. And so you might be engaged on the front lines of a situation or you might be able or you might be someone who is praying for that scenario. Or you might be someone who is encouraging someone who is praying or encouraging someone who is on the front lines. We need to know our role. We need to know our enemy and we need to know our battlegrounds. There is a power in being present. There is a uh, Moses uh, was weak. He's, he's sort of, he was an old man by this point and he's holding his arms up. I don't know if you have ever done this. Uh, as a child, we used to uh, play games. <laughs> I'm told they're games where you'd have to hold a phone book in each hand and your arms out for as long as you could. And uh, depending on how well you did, your brothers treated you well or poorly. <laughs> um, but we used to see who could do it for the longest. And, uh, what the record was or you'd have to hold something out in front of you your arms get tired doesn't matter how young you are how strong you are your arms will get tired eventually and so Aaron and her held up Moses's arms now imagine this you go back to the camp that night you've just won a spectacular victory I don't know if you've ever been in a, a, a team that's won something I, I can remember playing in, in some cup finals when I was uh, in a football uh, team and at one, in one final, I got substituted at half time, so I got taken off for, for a reason. I'm not really sure why, to be honest, still to this day. Uh, but I remember afterwards, we won the game. It was, I think it was one all or something when I came off. But afterwards, when we were celebrating, there was a part of me that felt like, did I really, do I really deserve to celebrate this? Because I, I didn't win the game. Like the, other, the rest of the team that was on, they won the game. We need to know our role. And I'd played in games previous and helped us get to that position. Um, but imagine Aaron and her. They're in the back. They're in the camp. Everyone's celebrating. We won a great victory today. We're around the campfire. Aaron, I didn't see you on the battlefield. Her, what, what were you up to? You know, and their responses was, I'm trying not to get the sweat of Moses' armpit on my hands. You know, it, it's not much of a battle story. Other people, oh, you know, did you see how I took that guy down? I, I fought off. 50 of them all by myself, theirs, they're trying to avoid armpit sweat. That's their story. Now, I don't know what your 
where you feel your role is what God has called you to. But it's important that we don't disregard that, that that situation where I've been substituted. I look back and I think, actually, I played a part in the team. And that's why when you look at things like the World Cup, the whole squad get a medal because the whole squad wins. It's a, we're in a team game. We're not in an individual uh, endeavour. And so I'd encourage you, don't resent the role that God has given you. And maybe your role has changed. Maybe you used to be a frontline person. You used to be someone who was in the thick of it. And now you feel like, oh, I can't do those things anymore. Maybe I'm physically not able, but I, I still pray and I still labor. Don't resent that role. Maybe you think, oh, I just wish I could be, I could be that person. I wish I could be the worship leader or the preacher, or I could be something else. And all I do is I'm just kind to my neighbors. I just am friendly to the people on my street. And I just share the gospel a few times with people that I know. Don't resent your role. We all are needed. So we need to know our role and we need to know our enemy. Ephesians 6 says this, for we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. We are not called to fight against other people. That's not the, the, the scenario that we're in. We're not at war with Amalek in a physical sense. We, our enemies are not other people. They're not flesh and blood. They are the spiritual uh, authorities, cosmic powers, spiritual forces of evil. And so our fight is not necessarily a physical fight. It's a, it's a spiritual one. Now, often, actually, there are some physical actions that we need to take in order to wage that spiritual warfare. But our enemy is not a person. Your, your enemy is not the person who cut you up on the road, if you have driven but in, the, in the recent past. That's not your enemy. That person is not your enemy. And I think it's important that we, we grasp this, that we, we are not wrestling against flesh and blood. We're wrestling against spiritual uh, authorities and powers. And so um, it's important to know our enemy. We don't just... Uh, get frust women frustrated with people. We need to look at what, what's the what's the cause of this thing. What's the what's behind what's going on that I need to wrestle against. Know our role, know our enemy, and know our battleground. As I said, sometimes there are practical things uh, that we need to do uh, in order to wage that spiritual thing. And, and prayer is one of those things. Maybe your battleground. Maybe you're someone who you feel like I am. I'm, I'm like Joshua. I'm in the valley. I'm fighting. I'm in the thick of it. Excuse me. And and there's some practical steps that you need to take. Uh, maybe you think, actually, I'm I'm a Moses. I'm a Moses. I'm up on the hillside. I'm praying. I'm contending with God. I'm saying, God, break into this situation. Do this thing. And the reality is we, we all will do both of those things. But I just want to encourage you to say, have a think when you look at what's happening in your life. So if you find yourself uh, being frustrated with your family, you really, we've talked a few times in their weekly encouragements, you, we're all in close proximity. If you're in a household with uh, other people, you're going to rub up against each other the wrong way sometimes. You're going to maybe have disagreements or feel a bit irritable because you, you, sort of, you want to just get out of the house. Or if you're on your own, you might be thinking, oh, I just feel lonely. Why is no one reaching out to me? Well, there are some practical things that we can do. We can... We can give each other space. We can reach out to other people if we feel like we're isolated. Um, but we need to know what our battleground is. Where is your 
battleground? Is it in prayer? Is it that you think, actually, I need to spend some time with God and I just I'm not consistently doing that. And so I'd encourage you that is an area for battle. That's an area to contend. And so you can uh, get an amen. You can you need to sort of say, I'm going to commit to this and I'm going to pray until I feel like praying. I, I recommend to you again, Tim Keller's book on prayer. If you just think I've just got no idea how to start. He's got about 100 different ideas you can use. So I'd encourage you to read that book if that as a, as a kickstart to your thing. Or just very simply, just tell God how you're feeling. Ask him to move in the world. And so know your battleground. What is your battleground? Where do you need to fight? Uh, it might be that there are areas of your life that you think I need to just get control of that. And so you can take steps to do it. But you can't win on your own. You can't win on your own uh, because, sorry, someone's annotating. So I'm just, um, are you all right to switch that off, Andy? I think someone's trying to draw a smiley, <laughs> a smiley face. Um, you need me to know your, your uh, battleground and we can't win on our own because we aren't good enough. doesn't matter how intelligent or gifted you are. Uh, there is um, no way that we can win on our own. We can't do all that God has, has called us to do by ourselves. And so um, Moses, pretty gifted guy. He's led the sort of the exodus, literally the exodus. He's led the exodus out of Egypt. He's confronted Pharaoh. He's admitted in the past, oh, I'm a bit, you know, I'm not very good at speaking in, in public. He seems to be okay with it now. Um, he's, he's judging over all of the cases, all of the disputes that the people have. He's the, he's the leader of the nation. And so everyone's coming to him and saying, Moses, you know, I say this is my loaf of bread and she's saying it's hers. Can you deal with it for us? And he's deciding those kind of matters. He's dealing, he's judging between disputes of the people. And his father-in-law says to him, praise God for father-in-laws. I hope if you've got one that they're as good as, uh, as Jethro. I love my father-in-law. He's a great encouragement to me. Uh, but Moses' father-in-law says this, what you are doing is not good. You and the people will certainly wear yourselves out for the thing is too heavy for you. You are not able to do it alone. Now obey my voice. I will give you advice and God be with you. Now, there's some key things here. Moses doesn't get all upset. You're not able to do it alone. He doesn't go, hang on a minute. Do you, did you not just hear the story I told you? I'm Moses. I'm the, I'm, I'm the dude. I'm the one who's going to, you know, spoiler alert, I'm going to go and get the Ten Commandments. I'm going to get all the laws from God. Do you know who you're talking to? He doesn't do that. He accepts the the counsel and the advice of someone who has lived life longer than him, who has a, an insight into the situation, who perhaps is coming in slightly from outside and goes, this is, this is not correct. This is not the right way to do things. And so uh, we aren't good enough to do it on our own. Moses' father-in-law helps him to see, hang on, there's a big picture here and you're getting trapped into the day-to-day the -day things. And so we're about a big work. As a church, we want to see not just our church flourish, but we want to uh, plant churches that plant churches. Plant means start. We want to start churches in new places that start churches in new places. We're not just about this one 
uh, group of people. As much as we, Andy and I, love you and we want to look after you and care for you, we're, we're about the work of God, which is to say, go and make disciples of all nations. Make disciples who can make disciples who can make disciples. We're, the, the task that we have been given by God as Christians is huge. And obviously there are other churches and we want to work alongside them and play uh, a part in what's going on. But we're about a big work. And sometimes we can feel so trapped in our little uh, sort of our lives. We sort of get caught in this like, OK, this is what's going on with me and this is what I'm up to. Actually, sometimes it's helpful to just lift our heads and remember, oh, there's a world that needs to hear the gospel. And I know it's difficult at the moment. This is a good time to invest in your life and in your uh, routines and habits in order to be prepared to slingshot out into the into the world when lockdown is eventually lifted. But we need others to see our blind spots. We need others to help and cover those. That's one of the big reasons why as a as a leadership team, as an eldership team, uh, we decided a few years ago that we weren't going to have a lead elder. We were going to have a we we're going to have a team of elders who eld the church. And so Andy, because uh, whether you're lead elder or not, I think that's sort of a helpful moniker in some senses, but unhelpful in others. Elders are elders. There's no sort of hierarchy within the eldership. And so as we know, we need to be a team. It's not about one man that people come to to see and, oh, OK, this is what God's saying to us. Actually, there needs to be a team of people. There needs to be a team where actually God is speaking to us and we're sort of trying to lead the people and Andy's got strengths that I don't have and actually I want to just uh, take a moment as well to honour some other people um, which are the explore group leaders I don't know if you are sort of a part of an explore group if you're not this is a great time to uh, sign up so you can contact the church office or me or if you know that you've previously been part of an explore group or associated to one um, the Explore Group leaders have done a fantastic job. I've spoken to a few people who said, uh, and I've said, are you okay? You've been looked after? Yeah. Hey, my, my group leaders have been in contact with me loads. And so I just want to say thank you to, to those people who are leading Explore Groups and uh, and also to uh, people who are trustees. Uh, the reality, Well, the reality is uh, for the Explore Group leaders, Andy and I, well, if we were trying to sort of keep tabs on everybody and make sure everyone was okay, that's all we would ever do. Uh, well, we wouldn't be able to do anything else, which is fine for me because that's I'm employed by the church. But Andy's got a job to do as well. Uh, so the Explore Group leaders have done a fantastic job there. And trustees, we have a group of trustees who uh, we manage the sort of the finances and the, the legal side of, of the church as a charity, as a charitable organisation. And they do a great job of that. So that actually, whilst Andy and I are involved in that, that's not the main burden that we carry. The main burden that we carry is to seek God, to study the Bible, to pray and to pray for you. And so actually the way that we have structured ourselves as a church is to say, this, this is it's too heavy, the burden. We can't do it alone. We need a team at the eldership level. We need a team at pastoral level, people who are looking after. At an organizational level, we've got a team of people. And so we're trying to apply some of the principles that are here from, from Jethro actually to Moses. We're, we're applying that to, to, the, to the life of the church now. And so you can apply that to your life. You don't have to try and do everything. And actually, you're not able to do everything. And so uh, I know for myself, I, I, as a sort of full time employed by the church, I'll often draw on counsel from 
other people who have done that, who who have been church leaders for many years. And so my father-in-law is one of those people. I'll, I'll, I'll call him up and I'll speak to him. I'll get his input on situations. Uh, the guy that I interned with many years ago, I'll speak to him. My dad uh, led, this, led this church for a long time. So I've got these people that I can draw on. And then there are people who are completely removed from the situation. As I said, the guy that uh, I interned with, he... He lives in New Zealand, so he, he's got a very outside perspective. And then there are other people who are in Watford, but part of different churches, leaders of different churches that I, I, I know I can draw on their counsel and hear from them and get some wise advice. People who have been in church leadership for you know, 20, 30 years. It, it's good to have those outside voices because I know I'm not good enough to do it on my own. I'm not capable to do it on my own because... <coughs> That's not the way God designed the church to be. We can't win on our own because we aren't good enough by ourselves. We need each other. And the reality is this church, the mission of this church, the vision that this church has to, to plant churches that plant churches. It's no good. You know, if me and Andy said we want to we want to plant a church that's going to plant a church. But that does if if it was just me and him trying to do that, it would be, you know, we would be burnt out. We wouldn't be able to do it. That's all of us need to be in on that. And that might mean that you go and be part of a new congregation that then sends people on to be part of a new congregation. Or it might be that you stay here, wherever you are, that you stay in Watford and actually you, you build this church and you're a pillar in this church and you're strong and you're sort of reaching out and bringing in uh, your friends and your family and new people to, to sort of strengthen this church so that we can send people better equipped to do the work of Christ. We can't do it on our own, but Jesus could because he was good enough. We can't make it through life on our own. Jesus did. And actually he, he was, he, he could make it on his own because he was filled with the Holy Spirit and he was in constant communion with the Father. He only did what he saw the Father doing. He lived his life as the father wanted him to. You can know that communion with God. You can know the presence of God. We can know it. We can have the presence of God with us, leading us and directing us through the Holy Spirit. The reality is even all of our human efforts and human talents combined is not good enough for the work that God wants to do through us. We need the Holy Spirit. You need the Holy Spirit in you enabling you and empowering you to fulfill all that God has for you, enabling you and empowering you to encourage your brothers and sisters in this church and in the wider church to fulfill all that God has for them. And so we're going to respond to this. Uh, there's a few ways that we can respond. Uh, one is to receive prayer for the Holy Spirit. We're going to go into breakout rooms in a few minutes. Uh, one is to, by yourself, uh, identify someone that you think, actually, I need someone to fight alongside me. And maybe you could reach out to that person uh, later today or this afternoon as we finish and ask for help. There's three ways to receiving the Holy Spirit, a prayer for, to receive the Holy Spirit. And maybe there's a specific thing that you think, actually, I need the Holy Spirit to impact this area of my life. Identify someone to, to fight alongside you. Do I need that? Is there an area of my life that actually if someone was stood with me, 
and held up my arms, I'd be able to contend better and ask for help. Actually be bold to do it. Don't just say, oh, yeah, this would be really helpful. Act on that as well. One final thing is to say that we we can't save ourselves. If you're not a Christian this morning, if you're not a follower of Jesus and you've just sort of dialed in, the reality is that as Moses held up his arms in order to contend for Israel on a hill, Jesus had his arms lifted on a hill in order to contend for you. That the the, the broken relationship that you have, that you, you don't know God, you can know God as your father. And so this morning, if, if you want to respond to that in any way, if you think, actually, you know, I can feel God is drawing me to himself. There's something in me that's, I don't know why I've even signed on, but then you can respond to that this morning. You can go to x1church.com forward slash ABC and you can fill in some details there. Someone will get in contact with you to talk to you more about that. But in a minute, we're going to go to breakout rooms. If you want, don't want to go into a breakout room, you can hang around in this uh, main room still and I'll remain here. And, I, and again, if you're someone who wants to respond or speak, ask more questions about uh, what it means to become a Christian, then do that in this main chat room. You can sort of stay here. You can send a chat message to me. Maybe we can go and sort of chat about that in a, in a separate room or something. But be blessed if you're part of Christ first. Be blessed if you're a visitor. Be blessed. Be blessed.